Talking about taxes is so much fun. We're dedicating two, yes, two shows to the topic. And today we're talking about red flags the IRS looks for when deciding who to audit. See? Fun. By the end of the show, you'll have a better idea of your chances of getting audited. And then we're going to talk about some of the wacky excuses people give to the IRS for not filing their taxes. So we're all happy to have Megan Brinsfield joining us again today. And we're going to talk about audits my favorite everybody's favorite so we're going to talk everybody's nightmare yeah the basics of an audit is it really a nightmare should you really freak out about it and also what are some of the red flags that would trigger an audit with the irs so megan thanks for joining us thank you for having me all right let's start off with an audit what is an audit what happens and seriously should i be freaked out first a big rain cloud descends over your home (laughs) And then you receive a letter in the mail. Usually um, an audit starts with just a clarification letter. The IRS sends you a letter that says, hey, we had some numbers. They don't match the ones that you had. Please explain. Math is hard. Yeah. (laughs) And um, most of the time that's associated with a big payment. Like if everything that we said was wrong was actually wrong, you would owe us some grandiose amount. Um, and so a lot of times those types of audits can be just fixed with a letter explaining the amounts that you claimed, assuming they are actually legitimate. Um, but the longer those things go, like, let's say you just ignore the letter because you know it's wrong. Um, the IRS will start peppering you with more and more letters. They'll become certified letters. They'll become tax liens. Um, so that's sort of an automated audit. There are also audits that are performed by um, IRS examiners, and those are also initiated with a letter, but you'll have a name associated uh, with the person that's actually performing your audit. And then so, a guy in a dark suit shows up on your doorstep. Well, yeah, like in the movies or in TV shows, like when you picture someone getting audited, they kind of have to go to the I- sad little IRS <laughs> office, and they've got this big box of just like random papers and receipts and like McDonald's napkins and they sit down and this stern looking guy in a desk is basically like prove to me that you're not a total mess up in life and that you didn't and it right. sounds like a very scary intimidating thing it's very judgmental the yeah. whole process no <laughs> even the letter sounds a little passive aggressive right they're like hey just so we're clear it seems like maybe you got something wrong let us know. That and then the next thing you know, your house is like getting taken out from under you. <laughs> Luckily, the IRS doesn't move that fast. And um, I think a lot of people, the timing of audits, too, is important to note because a lot of people think, oh, as soon as I file my return, if it's wrong, I'm getting audited. That's really not the case. Usually, it's like two years after the fact. So the IRS generally has three years after you file to audit you. Um, and they usually don't get around to it for a while, to be honest. Um, but yeah, the process is not as necessarily as judgmental as that. A lot of times you can um, resolve it just by sending in the documentation and not actually showing up with a box of documents and you know re- reference letters or anything like that. Dog hair and dust bunnies. And <laughs> yeah. I remember, so can I admit to this, that I went to school overseas for like a year and then I, I and I didn't file my taxes for a little while, and but it was like ten years ago. Do I need to worry about that? Probably not. Now you do. Now yeah. I do. Well, <laughs> no, I'm like, should I? I mean, is it? Can I admit to this? I mean, I probably wasn't making enough money to even like be on their radar. But still, I was kind of worried. Not worried enough that I actually <laughs> filed my taxes, but. But that is a good point. As long as you're a U.S. citizen, you owe taxes no matter where you live. 
Bum, bum, bum. But I'm okay, right? Because it's can, been more than three years. Can you give us your address real quick while we're on the air here, Allison? My social security number <laughs> exactly. and everything else. The statute of limitations doesn't start running until you actually file a return. So if you don't file, theoretically, it's open forever. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> and the good news is, <laughs> um, the good news, however, is that um, not everyone is required to file a tax return. So even if you had income, if it's below certain thresholds, you might not have to file a return at all. So it doesn't sound too worrisome. And if you were over those thresholds, I'm sure you would have gotten many letters by now. Okay, yeah, because I hardly made any money when I was overseas. You're looking super worried there. <laughs> worried. Like, I thought I was okay. Okay, confession time. So I got this little postcard this years ago from the IRS saying, we never received this. Or there was, it was the passive aggressiveness. So, hey, uh, how you been? How you been? <laughs> it's a nice day. Um, it, I can't remember even exactly what it was, but I looked at it. And it was definitely like, I totally mailed that in. What are you talking about? So there was a phone number. I called and talked to the Doug, you know, the person, and said, no, I, yeah, I, you got that. I'm, I'm totally. And then it was cleared up. My cousin, who was doing my taxes at the time, said, no, you never call them. You, you, you tell me. You send that correspondence directly to me. Um, I, I guess I shouldn't have taken matters into my own hands. As a tax professional, I tell my clients, like, never take things into your own hands either. I always want to be the communicator because what ends up happening a lot of times is people over-divulge. Like, the IRS will ask you a question about your charitable deductions, and then you totally reveal that you had a rental property that you never claimed income on, or, right, you know, yeah. and you just oh, get nervous. I, the reason I gave so much away is I got yeah. paid a ton of money for writing these magazine articles that yeah. I didn't declare. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So. so that's the main fear, is that you'll divulge something that wasn't even on the IRS's radar. So you have to invoke that that. You're going to have to talk to my lawyer. I have no comment. But what about, so when we talked about how we were going to do audits, um, Rick, our guy in the studio, said, yeah, but if I do TurboTax, then, I, then, I, then TurboTax is going to deal with it if I get audited. Like, what? what's the deal with uh, TurboTax? Uh, and other off-the-shelf off yeah. programs. What do, what do you think of this? If I don't have a Megan, what do, what, is, what do audits mean to me? Um, so audits typically just mean a lot of headache. It's not necessarily um, that you'll actually end up owing money. It's just more of an inconvenience that you have to pull up old documents and send things in. And Right, but if I have TurboTax, does TurboTax deal with the audit? Did, no. Are they my person or am I on my own with TurboTax? They're a person, but you still have to provide everything to them. Um, so, like, they'll write a letter for you, but you have to give them the information to write that letter. Um, I also believe that um, some off-the-shelf programs have a one-year rate. You know, they cover you for a year after your tax return is filed. And that's not even long enough for the IRS to really process and come up with an audit in most cases. So, um, you're getting audited after the period that it covers you for so that... Um, I don't know. I think a lot of times they charge you and it's not really worth the coverage that you're getting because you're going to have to do the same amount of work, whether they're covering you, quote unquote, or not. All right. Okay. So, Megan, so I'm doing my taxes either with TurboTax or another off-the-shelf product or by hand. What is going to get me in trouble? I've, I have heard <laughs> that actually turning it, doing your return by hand, like writing it and 
you know, pencil and then going over it with pen something is something that would trigger an audit. Is that true or not? I don't know about that. I, I know everything is so automated now at the IRS. They want you to e-file. Every time they get a return, if it's handwritten, they're going to scan it in. And they have software, I'm assuming, I haven't witnessed this, that reads your handwriting and turns that into you know, a, dat- a database entry somewhere um, that they can actually you know, monitor. Um, so I don't know whether handwritten returns are a higher or lower chance of audit. Um, but anecdotally, I mean, there are people that say, well, if I file on the very last day that I can possibly file, October 15th, um, that I have a less chance, less chance of being audited. And people follow that. And I think it's just one of those, one of those things that's an old wives' tale. Mm-hmm. You hit about something, though, that else. I don't think a lot of people are aware of, and that is anyone can get an extension to October 15th. Yep. Probably people listening heard you say October, and they're like, oh, she must have meant April. But no, you can get the extension. But you still have to pay some money if you owe taxes, right? Right. You're, it's an extension of time to file the paperwork, but not to pay the taxes. Right. So if it's like April 15th and you don't have everything, it's still a form you have to fill out, but it's very simple. You just send it in, and then you got till October 15th. Right. The key is that the IRS wants your money. <laughs> yeah. Right. If you remember that. So what do, you, what do you tell people in terms of like, okay, I'm going to file my extension. I know I owe some money. I don't know how much. What should I do? Should I just come up with a number, write the check, send it in, knowing that I'll get money back if I paid too much? That's definitely what I recommend. Overpay um, or overestimate, not by a ton, but um, allow yourself some wiggle room. So if you do your taxes and see that you owe you know, $279.50, just call it 300 so that you have um, some Oh, so rounding's fine here. As long as <laughs> yeah. you're rounding to the IRS's benefit. Right, exactly. Right. Uh, other triggers for audits, I've heard that um, uh, anything to do with the home business or home office is kind of, that's like the, the third rail. Right. The home office is definitely a target item for the IRS because it's so frequently um, over-claimed or over-deducted. Um, the, the rule is that the home office has to be used exclusively and regularly for business. So if you have the likelihood that your living room is a home office is very slim, but people will say, well, I, I do work there. And that's not really the, the threshold, unfortunately. Um, so that is just a, a prime place for audits because you're really taking a, an expense that's personal. So your utilities, your maintenance costs of your home and trying to turn that into a deduction. Um, and so the IRS looks at that very closely. What are some other red flags that our listeners should consider? So anytime you have a business that does not have any income, that's typically a red flag if you're just trying to take deductions. Um, Other business types that the IRS views as as hobbies traditionally, like gambling or horse racing. Um, There are a lot of cases about those types of businesses that you have to sort of go the extra mile to prove that you really are doing these things for profit, that you're not just you know, running a horse farm in your backyard. All right, so so many people. So someone who's in a struggling indie pop band, for instance. (laughs) Hypothetically speaking. And have you heard the theme song to our show yet? (laughs) So, yeah, so getting a new cello. uh, I mean, we're we're in it for the love, let's be honest. Um, What we make off of the 
covers people pay at bars, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, the IRS always wants you to claim that income. It's just whether or not you can claim that. Oh, I'm, I'm, I mean that we make nothing. Yeah. <laughs> when we play out. High fives and hugs. That's yeah, it. Yeah. That's it. So what about just your general income? Like if I make more money, does that mean I'm more likely to get audited? From a statistical perspective, yes. So the IRS, if you, they have really limited resources. They want to deploy people where they're going to have the biggest bang for their buck. And most of the time that's in um, returns that have a lot higher income. So if you look, the overall audit rate for everyone is about 1%. But if you're in higher income limit, or higher income levels, that can go as high as 27% chance of being audited. So once you get over that $10 million threshold, just bank on it, pretty much. Or yeah, that's close. I'll keep keep that in mind. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay, as a rental property owner, do I need to be nervous about anything when I'm filing? People that have rental properties, um, if you're trying to take losses, a lot of excess losses, um, that can be a red flag because you have to be Um, either qualify for a special deduction and have um, relatively moderate to low income to take that, or you have to be a real estate professional, which has a totally different set of criteria, um, meaning you basically do real estate as your job and document that. So um, without either of those two cases happening, um, you really shouldn't have any rental losses on your return. One that um, is a very high uh, audit rate is mortgage interest, um, especially if you have a loan that has a very high uh, principal amount. So the IRS limits you to deducting interest on the first $1.1 million of mortgage interest. So if you have a mansion in Beverly Hills um, and you don't actually limit that deduction, it's really easy for the IRS to do. They say $1.1 million times whatever the going interest rate is now, um, say, you know, 5%. If your deduction's more than $55,000, we're auditing you. Um, it's easy for them. Rich people problems. Yeah. First world <laughs> yeah. problems. Right. So it turns out I'm not the only one who maybe forgot to file a tax return, but there are people out there I was who, overseas and I was, my dog in my home park. <laughs> but it turns out there are people out there who, it's not just a matter of they were young and stupid, they're old they're and stupid, stupid. <laughs> and they think that they don't have to file a tax return. So, um, and Megan, you actually have a few reasons why people claim they don't have to file a tax return. Yes, if you can believe it, someone at the IRS, their whole job is to put together a report uh, annually of the ridiculous reasons that people use not to file their taxes or not to pay taxes. And some of them are like... The tax system is voluntary, so I'll just opt out. And uh, <laughs> I, I had no idea. Like, that was, I just I would like to not participate, please. <laughs> thank uh, you very much. No, thank thanks. you. Thanks. Moving on. Um, and that's because our the basis of our tax system is considered voluntary. That um, as opposed to some other countries, filing a tax return is voluntary, but the payment of the tax—that's the important part—is um, not voluntary. I know a guy who would not pay full taxes because he didn't agree with how much was going to the military. So he said, I'm only paying for this. I'm not going to pay this much for the military. He still ended up paying it, of course, but he was trying to make his point about how, I only want to pay for the roads. I don't want to pay for the guns or whatever else. Right. 
Yeah, that would be nice if you could just choose yes. what you want. <laughs> yes. A la carte taxes. Yes, yeah. yes, and allocate it. Um, there's some other ones like arguing about terms like citizen, <laughs> United States. I'm doing air quotes for right. the people at home. <laughs> Person? <laughs> yeah, so people will say things like, I'm not actually a citizen of the United States. I am a citizen of Texas. And oh, Texas. therefore, the Why United States has no bearing on whether or not I pay taxes. And so you can relinquish your United States citizenship. That's a thing. But you do pay an exit tax for the privilege. You can ask some people at Facebook about that if you're really interested. Did people at Facebook do that? Uh, one of the Facebook oh, yeah. the founders. founders. Yeah, he relinquished his citizenship and moved to Singapore. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to pay the taxes. It's actually an increasing trend among very wealthy people. Really? Yeah. Yep. And Singapore is the place to go. I guess I'll, so. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> when I become very, very Once you wealthy. hit that ten million. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's do one more. What is one more crazy reason why people say they don't have to do their taxes? I think uh, arguing on uh, like religious grounds, or it's my First Amendment right that I object to paying taxes. You know, using the Constitution as uh, some argument that they shouldn't have to pay taxes. And the interesting thing is there are like websites dedicated to this. This is like people's job becomes, you know, defending against these letters. And they're like, they'll receive this letter from the IRS and post it online. And the IRS is saying, you know, this is a totally ridiculous tax position. Please file an actual tax return. Like, we implore you <laughs> to file a tax return. And the person posting it is like, ha, 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 another cat and mouse game with the IRS. Yeah, it's a That's thing. just something they, I don't find appealing. Yeah. They, they, they have a lot of time on their hands because they're not actually having to do their taxes. Right. There, yeah. are some, there are some things people didn't think they had to, to report, like forgiveness of a loan, for example. Right, which is an honest mistake. Right, that's an honest mistake. Or um, if you exchange services, I'll do this for you and you do this for me, that is also something that has to be taxed. But they didn't know that that was supposed to be reported. Yeah, And they may not agree with it either, but they still have to do it. Yeah, so the moral of the story is taxes, pay (laughs) them, even if you're young and dumb or old and dumb. In the U.S. or otherwise. Or Yeah, no matter where you live, taxes, pay them. I want to thank Megan Brinsfield for joining us today to talk all about taxes. I think we had fun, Diana. Did we have fun? Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. As much we fun were, as you can have actually, with taxes. We, really did. Yes. we just woke is, her up. Yeah. As much fun as you can have with taxes. You're going to have it here at Motley Fool Answers. The music is written, composed, produced. And deducted and by. And by <laughs> Diana Yoakum. You guys didn't pay me for that. And the show is edited by Rick Engdahl. If you have questions, send an email to answers at fool.com. And remember, don't forget to tell your friends um, to listen because, come on, it's, it's good for them. All right. For Robert Brokamp, Diana Yoakum, and Megan Brinsfield, I'm Allison Southwick. Fool on. <laughs>